0: That is why we lift up the name of Jesus on this program every day. Our teaching pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with today's message.
1: Today I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Daniel chapter 3. Our story today centers around three Hebrew teenagers. Their names are Shadrach... Meshach and Obednego. And years ago, there was a song about those three boys called They Wouldn't Bow, They Wouldn't Bend, They Wouldn't Burn. That's my sermon outline. You can't get any better than that. And so point number one, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. These teenagers would not bow. They were fully devoted to Jehovah God. They did not care the circumstances. They were going to serve God. And so we come to verse 1, Daniel chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar. Well, the first thing he did is he made an image of gold. And the Bible says that this image was 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. And he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. This statue was 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. So he builds this image of gold. And then look at verse 2. He then sent out the invitation. He summoned the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image that he had set up. They're going to have a, a dedication service. So verse 3. So uh, the satraps, and these are these are the VIPs of Babylon. The satraps, the prefects, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled because if the king invites you have to show up right and so they assembled for the dedication of the image that king nebuchadnezzar had set up and they stood before it and then verse four says then the herald loudly proclaimed this is what you are commanded to do you didn't really have a choice O peoples nations and men of every language verse five as soon as you hear the music as soon as you hear the sound of the horn and the flute and the zither and the lyre and the harp and the pipes and all kinds of music when you hear that you must fall down and worship the image of gold that king nebuchadnezzar has set up and verse six reads whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a what blazing furnace and so all of a sudden the music starts to play and everybody bows down and begins to worship this false image, except three Hebrew teenagers who refuse to bow down. Their names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Abednego. And so some men are tattletales. They come to the king in verse 12, and here's what they report. There are some Jews whom you have said over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Their names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who pay no attention to you O king they neither serve you your gods nor worship the image of gold that you have set up now i want you to picture this scene had you been there you would have heard the sound of tens of thousands of knees hitting the dirt and foreheads to the ground and after the dust clears all across that plain there were tens of thousands of people and all the vips were on their face before the image of gold all except the three Hebrew teenagers, Shadrach, Meshach, and Obednego. This is a powerful scene in the Word of God, these teenagers standing up to King Nebuchadnezzar. You see, uh, Nebuchadnezzar did one thing wrong, and he did one thing right. The thing that he did wrong was he tried to force people to worship, and you can never force people to worship. Now, if I put a fire over there and said if you don't worship we're going to throw you in the fire most of you would start worshiping but that wouldn't be worship because it doesn't come from the heart he tried to force worship but what did he do right and this is not the purpose of the text but i see this in the text that nebuchadnezzar understood there was a connection between music and worship because he said when you hear the music we want you to to worship you see god created music to aid us and to lead us into worshiping Him. He knew the connection between music and worship. I praise God these boys wouldn't bow and they were devoted to God. Number two, write this down. These boys wouldn't bend. They wouldn't bow, they wouldn't bend. They were determined. When given a second chance, and they were given a second chance before they were thrown that fire, they would not compromise their convictions. I want you to look at verse 13. Furious with rage, because these boys wouldn't bow down, the tales told on them, King Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, verse 14. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, I'm glad that he asked the boys to get clar- clarification. Is it true that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I have set up? Verse 15, he gave them a second chance. Now, this is coming directly from the king. Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and all kinds of music, if you boys are ready to fall down and worship the image I have made, that is a very good thing for you. Because if you do not worship it, you will be thrown... Immediately into a blazing furnace, and then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand. Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Obednego replied to the king, and what they're saying here is with all due respect, O king, we've already made up our mind. O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. And then they make this statement in verse 17. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the god we serve is able to save us from it and he will all oh, these boys had faith Amen. he will rescue us from your hand o oh, king and then we come to verse 18 now if you if you've ever underlined a verse in your bible this should be the verse the boys then say in verse 18 Even if he does not deliver us, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. You see, there's two kinds of faith. Write it down. The first is faulty faith. Those are the people, and some are here in this room today, who say, I will trust God if God delivers me. That's foxhole religion. You're in a foxhole. God, get me out of the situation. God, if you get me through this, I will serve you. That is faulty faith. The second kind of faith is real faith. This is the faith we all need to have. That says, even if I die, I'm going down trusting in God. I believe that God will deliver me, but even if God doesn't deliver me, I'm still going to serve God all the days of my life. That is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And number three, they wouldn't bow, they wouldn't bend. Oh, write this down. These boys wouldn't burn. They wouldn't burn. And yes, I'm going to read the rest of this because this is a great story in the Bible. Amen. Amen. Look at verse 19. Oh, you think Nebuchadnezzar was mad then. Now, Now he's really mad. Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. And so in verse 20, he commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie these three teenagers, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and then they threw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, verse 21, wearing their robes, their trousers, these are all flammable things, their turbans and other clothes, They were bound and thrown into that blazing furnace. Verse 22, look at this. The king's command was so urgent, the furnace was so hot. Ask me how hot was it? That the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's a hot furnace. And these three men, verse 23, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement, and he asked his advisors, Hey, how many kids did we throw in that fire? He said, Three. Three? Are you sure? I, I thought we threw three in there. They said, King, that's how many we threw in there. We threw three in there. Verse 25. He said, Look, I see four. They're walking around the fire unbound, unharmed. And that fourth fellow looks like a son of the gods. Who is that fourth man? And I can see the pre-incarnate Christ standing up from His heavenly throne. He steps across the ramparts of heaven. He begins to walk down a starry staircase and He goes Himself into that blazing furnace and there He was, Jesus waiting, joining those three Hebrew teenagers when they were thrown inside there. And he turns to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and he says, no need to worry, boys. I'm in control. And he was and he is in control. So verse 26, i got to read the last three verses. Nebuchadnezzar, he then approaches the opening and the blazing furnace and he begins to shout, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out! Well, you were the one that threw him in there. He said, come out! Come here! And so, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they came out of the fire. Verse 27, And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the royal advisors, all those VIPs, they they crowded around them, and they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was the hair of their heads singed, their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. And the last verse... King Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Obednego who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than to serve or worship any God except their own God. I want to give you four life lessons. I'm going to go through them just one, two, three, four. And you've got to write them down quick. First, persecution. Turn your outline over. Persecution reveals your level of commitment. Because when you go through the fire, that's when we find out if your faith is genuine or not. Anybody can serve God. Listen carefully. Anybody can serve God when things are good. But the question is, do you serve God when things are bad? And if you're only committed when things are good and you're gone when things are bad, that trial reveals what's in your heart. Number two, perseverance. When you endure that trial is when you are actually walking in the footsteps of Jesus. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2, verse 21, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in His footsteps. This is why... This is one of the reasons why I do not believe in the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. And I know some of you come out of the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. But but this verse right here says, this is what you were called. Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you as an example that you should follow in His steps. You see, when when you decide you're going to live for God, and you're going to stand for righteousness, especially in this, culture in which we live when you take that stand you're going to suffer in this day and age being a christian is not easy if you think being a christian is easy you got the wrong idea of what christianity is all about it's one of the most difficult things you can do in this culture because everywhere you turn you will be mocked you will be ridiculed you will be tempted to to go astray But when you stand and you suffer for your faith, at that moment, you're walking in the footsteps of Jesus who suffered for you, according to that verse. Number three, as we prepare to close his presence, Jesus will never leave you. He will never leave you. Where was that fourth man? Where was he? He was in the fire. And I want you to know that when you're in that fire, for doing what's right, that the Lord Jesus Christ will never leave you or forsake you. Now hear me out. Jesus never promised you if you become a Christian that you won't have problems. It's really just the opposite. When you come to Christianity, you're going to have all kinds of problems. What he promised you is that you would never be alone in those trials. Isaiah 43 verse 2 says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you and when you pass through the rivers they will not sweep over you and when you walk through that fire you will not be burned the flames will not set you ablaze verse 3 for i and the lord your god the holy one of israel your savior he's the one who saves you and there's always people who say well i don't like the fire I'm afraid of the trial. I'm scared. Why doesn't God just keep me out of the trial? Well, that's reason number four. Here's the answer. Life lesson number four is purification. God uses the fire, the trial, to purify you. And those of you that are struggling right now, you need to know, you say, well, when is is God going to turn the heat down? Why does... Why won't he answer my prayers? Why am I suffering? Oh, Malachi 3.3, he will sit as a refiner. I mean, this is just what he does. And purifier of silver, and he will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Golds. The, the, the metals are made precious. They get their value when, they're, when they go through the fire. And God's actually shaping you and molding you and purifying you this very moment. You don't even realize it. Manny Pacquiao, who goes to our church when he's in L.A. training for his fights, he's a senator today in the Philippines. Uh, he has me come to the fight. I've done this for the last five or six fights that he's had. And he has a Bible study. Anybody in the world can come. He just opens it up, and I preached in Australia, because that's where he fought. Uh, this is last week on Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. And anybody can come. And on Friday night, I looked over to my left. There was a guy who kind of came in late in a wheelchair. And he did not come because he wanted to come to Bible study. He just wanted to meet Manny. Right? And the next morning, I was in the hotel lobby. This guy came running over to me and goes, Hey, did you see that guy in the wheelchair there last night? I go, Yeah. He goes, Do you know who that is? I go, No. He goes, That's the number one boxing promoter here in Brisbane. He was the one who promoted Manny's fight to the public. And he goes... Um, he, he's against God. He doesn't like God. And he was healthy. He was running around here, in Brisbane, promoting this fight until about two months ago. But he's a foul mouth, non-believing, disgusting person who actually said these words. This guy's telling me this. He said there is no God, but if there is a God, and this is God and this is the devil, and God is... More powerful than the devil, he said. I'm on the devil's side, and so that makes the devil equal with God. He said those words. And then he had a stroke. And then he had a second stroke, and he lost his speech. He couldn't walk. He starts, he's starting to get his speech back, and there he was sitting there the night before, listening to me preach. And so the guy tells me the story, and the guy's in the lobby, the guy in the wheelchair. So right then I go over to this guy in the wheelchair. This is, this is Saturday morning. And I just started loving on him. I said, hey, I, you were there last night. He goes, yeah. He goes, I really enjoyed it. I've never really heard a sermon. Like, I don't, I, I, he goes, I, I don't know why. I was just listening. And I said to him, are you coming back tonight? And he said, I am going to come back tonight. Are you going to come Sunday night? He goes, oh, no, I'm not coming Sunday night. So Saturday night, I'm looking for the guy. I get to chapel. There's so many people in this room, hundreds of people standing. There's no room for anybody. The fire marshal came and kicked out like 200 people had to leave. But somehow they let him in because he's in a wheelchair. And there was no place for him to sit. So they actually, I'm not making this up. They brought him to the middle aisle, and they brought him all the way down, and they put him directly in front of the pulpit in the middle of the aisle. And for about 45 minutes, I preached right at that guy right there. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'd look around. I'd look around. I'd come right back to him. Guess who came back on Sunday night? Same guy. We moved to a bigger room. We had to get a bigger room for people to sit. There were all places for that guy to go, but guess where he came? He got in the center aisle and he came right back down. And he sat right there, directly in front of me, right there. And I preached the second night, Sunday night, the entire service. I just kept preaching at that guy right there. Now, at the end of that service, we take communion. And that's something that happened when Manny Pacquiao started coming to this church. He's not been a Christian very long. And so he learned from us that when you meet as a church that you're supposed to take communion. And so he insists when we have chapel that we serve communion. And so I actually brought communion with us from uh, United States all the way to Australia. And so after the sermon, we start, we start doing the communion, and we passed it out just like we do, and everybody held it. And then I preached basically a whole other sermon, basically saying, if you're not a Christian, do not take the Lord's Supper. <laughs> this is only for people who truly believe that Jesus Christ came into this world and died on a cross so that we might be saved now if you believe that you can take communion if if you don't believe in jesus you cannot take communion i said everybody take the piece of bread and i looked down and that brother sitting in that wheelchair had that communion wafer raised up and i prayed this prayer lord god as jesus christ died on that cross to take away the sins of the world may you now take away the sins of every man and every woman in this room that participates in the Lord's Supper. And I watched as that brother took communion that day. And I tell you that story to tell you this. Two months earlier when he had the stroke, he didn't realize that God was going to use that to purify him of all unrighteousness. And eventually lead him to a place where he heard the gospel, the presentation of the gospel, where he could give his life and fully surrender to Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. 4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. Wouldn't it be great if there were accessible answers to our spiritual problems? Just like there's a smartphone app for calculating a tip or getting directions to a local store. Most of us have heard the phrase, there's an app for that, popularized by the creators of the iPhone. Well, God has an app for the common problems faced by Christians everywhere. Are you stressed out? God has an app for that. Problem with crude language or gossip? Struggling with prejudice? Broken-hearted, anxious, or depressed? God has an app for that too. Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, is available now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus Ministry. This helpful resource can be yours right now by calling our toll-free number That number again is 888-818-4777 You can also get God has an app for that on our website liftupjesus.com That address again is liftupjesus.com Come and explore the book of James and discover God's user friendly solutions for some of the biggest challenges we all face daily Get your copy of Pastor Dudley's book God has an app for that today